So, any questions this morning? simple process hmm. and uh, but at, at the same time it looks it seems as though there's also a lot of uh, necessity to to understand a, a lot about it as well it, it seems there's kind of like one way you can it can be very simple but in another way it's complicated and mm-hmm. it's uh, it seems almost like a catch-22 well, it's a big topic. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, Radha, Krishna, they're very complex theological figures. So, in that sense, it's complicated to understand theoretically who is Krishna, who is Radha, who is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, what their leelas are about. What's their, it's deep, it's oceanic, it's fathomless bottomless, so deep of a subject. In that sense, it's true that it's it's complicated. But the application by which you will realize the depths of Krishna consciousness is relatively simple in comparison. Admittedly, part of that application involves hearing the theory and description of the depth of this, the reasoning of it, the the scriptural support of it, the significance, and so forth. But um, it's not difficult to sit and hear that from somebody who has feeling for it to explain it. Yes, you, you have to apply your intelligence and uh, that should be used in the Krishna service and that's how it, it should be used, largely, to understand the theory. And so there's an advantage to that because it, it helps to fuel your, your practice at a certain point. It helps it as much as you tend to function based on, on reasoning. If you have this kind of reasoning, then you'll function in relation to Krishna Bhakti, applying yourself with more conviction. At the same time, everyone has a different level of intellectual capacity, and so they maybe will gather enough theoretical knowledge to fuel their practice. What one will gather will be one thing, and what one another gather will be another thing. It's not that everybody has to become a scholar in order to become Krishna conscious. In fact, some people become scholars at the cost of becoming Krishna conscious, even when the subject is Krishna consciousness. So that's a, a danger also. So I don't think it's, uh, it's really complex in terms of application, really. That's what I was stressing yesterday. We have a lot of talks and a lot of books, and they're all to convince us to just chant Hare Krishna. And in Eugene, when I was living there, some years ago, I gave a lecture. You know, I tend to be pretty philosophical. And so after the class, one guy that was kind of visiting with us, he said, 
he had done some gardening there. Maybe maybe you remember that guy from Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, kind of a strange guy. You remember him from Hawaii. Hmm? He used to raw everything. Yeah, yeah. He was in Hawaii, too, when we were there. Anyway, he said his mind was kind of like short-circuiting because I was explaining so many technical points and so forth. And he said, at the class, Maharaj, whatever happened to just chant Hare Krishna? Why can't we just chant Hare Krishna? In other words, why do we have to learn all these things? So I said, you tell me, why you, why you don't just chant Hare Krishna? Why you do so many other things? Why? Tell me, answer me. Why you, you don't just chant Hare Krishna? Just sit and chant. Why are you doing so many other things? The answer is because you have not heard enough to be convinced just chanting Hare Krishna is enough. So we have such a barrage of information just to convince you. Just be simple. Chant Hare Krishna and be happy. But we're not convinced. Therefore, we're doing so many other things. So if we hear sufficiently and we understand, oh, what's, what the problem is with pursuing sense objects, they will never satisfy me. I want enduring happiness, lasting happiness, right? We all want happiness that will last, not that will be temporary. So if we pursue that happiness in relation to things that don't endure, is that intelligent? Think about it. What kind of happiness do you want? <coughs> enduring happiness means happiness that, that lasts. So if, if you pursue that happiness in relation to things that don't last, how can you get lasting happiness? Do you understand? There's a saying in English about material things. They're here today. You know the second part? That's how much you've not integrated into Western culture, which is okay. Here today, things are here today and gone tomorrow. You understand? It's the nature of the world. What's here today will be gone tomorrow. But what about you? You will be here. Things come and go. Things come and go. So many things come and go. What are things and what are we? The difference between things and ourselves is that we can label them as things. You understand? Here's a smart girl. She's nodding her head. They cannot. A chair cannot categorize me. I can call it a chair. Or what else? What do you call it in Hindi? There's no chairs in Hindi, right? Everybody sits on the ground. <laughs> so we are conscious. So we can we can categorize, we can label things, we can define things, we can give meaning to things. What is the meaning of the chair without the person to sit in it? It has no meaning. So all these things, they derive meaning from us, from consciousness. Matter derives its meaning from consciousness. If material things mattered and they were important, independent of consciousness, who would know about it? Who would care about it? You understand? Because consciousness knows. Consciousness is the caring. So consciousness is important. So much more important than matter. And we are consciousness. That's obvious, right? We're perceiving, we're feeling, thinking, cognizing or, or knowing. 
and we lend our, and so we are life, and we lend ourselves to material things by becoming attached to them, by saying, this is my house, this is my car. Then those things take on meaning. Why do they take on meaning? Because they're in relation to me. Therefore, I'm what's meaningful. Consciousness is what's meaningful, not matter. So we want to find meaning and real enduring happiness. We should look within consciousness, not within the material things that we've extended our consciousness into and identified with. When we extend ourselves into material things by saying, this is mine, we think it's the thing is giving me satisfaction, but it's only because I'm I've gone inside of it by way of identification. Follow? So if we want enduring happiness, we should look within ourselves. And if we look within ourselves, we find, oh, I'm different from matter. The world is always changing around me. And what am I doing? Observing the change. But if I identify myself with the changing things, with material things, then it will appear that I change also. I will take another birth. If I'm identified with material things, I'm too attached to them, then I'm going to remain in that place where things come and go. Because that's where I've put myself. Do you understand? And so this body will go. It's come and it will go. Where will I go? If I'm remaining attached to material things, then I remain in that place where things come and go. Because that's where I am. I've identified there. I become attached there, so I stay there. So that means, because the nature of this world is things come and go, if you stay here, everything around you will come and go, including your body. Your body will go, another one will come. It will go, another one will come. You don't really go anywhere, but things keep changing around you. So, Vedanta means, understand this point. Hmm. That's to think deeply. You follow? Oh. Then we start to look in a different, a different direction. For happiness, not in relation to things that come and go. We have things that come and go. We should understand them for what they are and not be overly attached. We should do our duty, take care of our children and so forth, but we understand they're not really my children in one sense. Today I'm the father and he is the son, but one day he will be father. Hmm? Someone else will be the son and I'll be a son. And who will be my father? You understand? It's always changing, changing, changing. All these identities, they're all a product of association with matter. One day I'm a daughter. Next day I'm a mother. Next day I'm a grandmother. What determines those things? My attachments and identification with the changing things that are going on. So that identity, that's not the real you. That's just a changing identity. So from that identity even, you cannot get full happiness. You have to find your real identity to become happy. And that is to understand, oh, I'm different from matter. I'm consciousness. And if we look deeply inside of consciousness, that's what we do in, in Krishna Bhakti. Because what do we find? If we look deep within consciousness, what do we find? We find Krishna. Because every little spark of consciousness is coming from the fire of Krishna. He is the fire. He is the reservoir of consciousness. And what else is he? You think Krishna is happy? So he's the reservoir of happiness. Happiness is found in consciousness, not in matter. Hmm? 
So if we go deep inside the consciousness, what do we find? We find enduring existence. We find I exist. And nothing can change that. There's no death. We find that we look in consciousness, we find existence and enduring existence. I can know my existence. This exists, but it doesn't know it. Consciousness can know that it exists. So we find existence that doesn't end, that's enduring, not like this existence of the chair. It was a tree, now it's a chair. Then it will become smoke and fire. Just everything here is just changing, 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 changing. So how real is this? It's as real as it lasts. And it doesn't last very long. So it's not very real. Do you take the things that happen to you in a dream very seriously? Usually not, right? Things are changing. You go and embrace somebody and they turn into a monster. And then the next thing, you know, something, so many things are changing, changing. Why you don't take those things seriously? Because they only last for a few minutes. You wake up and it's over. This will only last for a little longer. How long do you last? Forever. You last forever. The real you lasts forever. Now, how long is forever? That's forever. Now, if you want to compare that to this chair, how long will this chair will be here? A moment. In comparison to forever, right? Just like the things in your dreams. Just a moment. And therefore, you don't take them seriously. So you have to step back and see your whole life is like, a, like an extended dream. But in comparison to forever, that's nothing. So I shouldn't take so seriously all these things. And if I have proper knowledge, then I can see them in perspective. Even death I can see in perspective, and it's no longer a problem. Why is death a problem? Death is a problem because I don't understand it. What is the symptom that I don't understand it? I'm attached to something that has no possibility of enduring. Do you understand? This body has no possibility of enduring forever. No possibility whatsoever. But I've lived a life based on thinking, I am this body, so I'm attached to it. So death becomes a problem. If I give you something, and you know that in a short time it will eva just evaporate, you won't put a lot of time into it, a lot of energy into it. Right? Some energy may be necessary. This body is like that. It will evaporate, disappear. And the personality that's based on that body and mind, it will disappear forever. In a thousand years, where will it be? Maybe if you do something materially significant, it'll be in a book. Maybe. But the whole planet can change at any time. What if a meteor comes and strikes the planet? Can it happen? Why not? Right? Scientists say it happened many thousands of years ago. And they say there was a big ice age and all the dinosaurs died. You might have heard it in school. So meteor can hit the planet at any time. Then even um, Gandhi or Kennedy. You know who's Kennedy? Lincoln. Khrushchev. You know who's Khrushchev? No. He's not so famous, huh? Hitler. You know who's Hitler? So you could say their identity is here in books. That will be gone. If a meteor hits the planet, they'll be gone. So these identities, they're very fleeting. 
here today and gone tomorrow. So if we want to live a life of enduring happiness, we have to look to consciousness. And we look to consciousness, we find something, an existence that endures. This existence does not endure, but I endure. If I identify myself with matter, that identity won't endure. But who's doing the identification, that endures. So when consciousness endures, and how well is it, how much does it endure? It's indelible. It, it's, it cannot die. Forever it endures. And you can know about it. You can realize it. Consciousness has the power to understand its nature. Now, if you could understand, you're understanding theoretically, because we're talking about it, but to really understand it, that you cannot die, that bee cannot bite you, hmm? That's another thing. That's what yoga is about. That's what bhakti is about. To understand. Why are we afraid in life? Because we don't understand that we exist forever. Bhagavad Gita says nothing can cut you. Nothing can burn you. You know the verse? Nainam chinnati shastrani Nainam dahati pavaka What is the meaning? Chinnati shastra not shastra, shastra cannot be cut by any weapon, cannot be burned by fire, cannot be drowned in the water, such is the nature of the soul. So if we realize the extent to which we exist, then we have no fear. Have you ever seen no people wear a t-shirt, no fear? We're the ones that are teaching that, really. They may say no fear, but that is kind of a bluff. If you put a gun, then they're so afraid. They'd say, no fear and do crazy things. Better they should have some fear. <laughs> so, consciousness exists. Consciousness can know that it exists. And if consciousness knows that it exists, then it knows what to do. Because it knows what it is. You see, now we don't know what we are. We think we're the body. And it's not that happy. There's so many problems. We try to find happiness, but there are so many problems. And why we cannot find real happiness, full happiness? Because one, as I said, the things we are identifying with to get happiness from are temporary. And number two, important thing is, we've identified with this body, and the body has needs. If we don't eat, then what? The body won't live, right? So how do you eat? You have to go to work, right? So in order for this sense of identity to endure, to exist, we have to do some work. We have to make some struggle. You can't just be free to do this. Relax. You have to do something. You have to work. You have to struggle. What is that struggle then? You're struggling, you're struggling, and you're struggling. Everybody's struggling. What are we struggling for? Various material things needed to maintain the body, so there's discord. You understand? It's not so friendly of a place, material world, because by the force of material identification, everybody thinks they have needs. The soul doesn't have needs, but we think we have needs, so we're out to get them. So there's some fighting. Then wars happen even, big fighting. And inside family, divorces come. And children run away from home. So many things happen. All kind of problems coming from this. Point is that when we identify with matter, 
We feel that we have needs, so we have to take. But this is foreign to the identity of the self, of consciousness. Because if the self endures forever, it can't be burned by fire, drowned in the water, hurt by a weapon, it doesn't need to eat. Then does it need to take anything from anybody? It doesn't need anything, does it? So the reason that we're taking is because we think we need, because the body needs, and we've identified with it. Now there's a way to take just the right amount when involved in sadhana. For the monk, an ashram, it'll be one thing. For the householder, another thing, a different standard. So in bhakti we can learn how to, so that we can learn theoretically, I'm not this body, I'm soul. I have needs because I identify with the body, but I cannot just stop eating today because Swami told me that, because Guru Maharaj said that. So I'm still, have this attachment that's been going for a long time. So there's a way to eat a certain amount, offer to Krishna first, don't overeat, so on. In such a way that you can come out of that and realize your soul. And what you realize, when you realize that your soul, you realize, I'm this unit of consciousness that endures. It can never die. I understand it now, so I have no fear. And because I understand it, I understand what it does, what its nature is. Its nature is not to take. Its nature is to give. It's a unit of love, capacity to love. It has the capacity, the nature, to love. And so when it sees itself for what it is, and it knows what to do, then it becomes a giver only. But what does it give? It gives what's really needed. It gives itself, of course, to Krishna in love, because Krishna is the reservoir of consciousness. It sees, I'm part and parcel of Krishna, like my hand is part of my body. So what should my hand do with food? Well, yeah, but after that? Give it to the mouth. The mouth will send it to the stomach. The stomach will send, send energy through the whole body. What if the hand says, hey, wait a minute. Every day I'm grabbing this food, and every day I'm giving it to the mouth. Every day the mouth is giving it to the stomach, and the stomach is getting it all. So let me make a deal with the mouth. Let's keep, I'll keep some. I'll give you some, but don't give any to the stomach. The stomach's been getting it all for so long. We're just handing it to the stomach. Then what will happen? If the hand says, I'm going to keep the food myself, just feel it like this. That feels wet. That feels hot. That feels cold. <laughs> it will get something, but it will dry up and die. Right? But if it gives it to the stomach, the stomach will send energy to the hand, but it can continue to grab things. So, so we are consciousness, but we are just a little unit of consciousness. Can I say, this is my body? I can. I can go. This is my body. It's true, right? But it's also my hand. So it's my body, but that's a general statement. We look more closely, it's the hand of my body, so it has something to do in relation to my whole body. So, we are consciousness. That's true. Krishna is consciousness. We are Krishna. Uh, yeah. But, that's like saying hand is body. True, but we have to qualify that. I'm only particle of consciousness. So I have a relationship with the whole consciousness. And what is the relationship? Nityo nityanam chetanas chetananam. Eko bahunam yo 
Nityo Nityanam Chetanas Chetananam. You understand? Nityo Nityanam means there is one Nityo and many Nityanam. One Cheto, many Chetananam, Chetanam, consciousness. Many, that means there is one eternal, one consciousness, and then there is many consciousness. And Eko Bahunam Yogadati Kaman. What is the relationship between the two? The many are being sustained by the one. So Krishna is the supreme consciousness. He's sustaining all consciousness. So we are consciousness. Krishna is consciousness. We are Krishna. But that's like saying hand is body. Don't stop there. Hand cannot act like the rest of the body. It has to serve the body. So we have a relationship with Krishna to serve Krishna. So, what happens when we give our love to Krishna? We are, have capacity to love, right? To give. We don't need to take. We think we need to take and get things. Get some money. I need to get that. I need to get some food. Because we think we're this body. When we understand we are not, progressively, as we do, then rather than giving our energy for taking, we're going to give our energy to Krishna. This is love. He's providing everything anyway. Even the capacity to take, he's giving that. So when we give to him, what happens? When we give ourselves to Krishna, what happens? Then everything becomes nourished, like the hand gives food to the stomach. Everyone becomes nourished. So this is a good program. So when we understand who I am, I understand I'm consciousness, I endure, I can know that I am. And if I know that I am consciousness and in enduring, then I can know what to do with myself, and that is to love, to give. So how can I give the most? By giving to Krishna. Because if I give to Krishna, then the benefit will go everywhere, to everyone. Hmm? Because everything is part and parcel of Krishna. If you want to benefit this tree, there are so many branches and so many leaves, right? Where will you pour the water? On the root. So this is the idea of Krishna consciousness. You want to help people? You see that there's some problem in the world? You feel bad? You want to do something good? This is the comprehensive solution. You give your energy to Krishna. Now, if everybody did that, there would be no problems. Everybody's not going to do that right away, but you should do that. Well, why not? Don't wait for everybody else. Someone else will become a doctor. Someone else will become a magistrate, judge. Someone else will become... This one or that one. All trying to solve different problems. People need houses. I'll be a contractor. That's a problem. People need houses. I'll solve that, that problem. So everyone's trying to pick up one problem, another problem, and solve it. But all the problems won't be solved like that. <laughs> no. There are so many more problems. And when we try to solve problems like that, we create other problems also. Very complex. So the comprehensive solution to the problem is serving Krishna. It's very scientific, as I'm explaining to you. So much meaning to that, so many implications, what that means to serve Krishna. What are the ramifications? What are the results? So it's important if we understand these things, that gives us energy to serve Krishna then. Serving Krishna is not hard. Is it hard to say Hare Krishna? Is it hard to cook something nice for Krishna? Not any harder than it is to cook for yourself. These are the things we do for Krishna. We do shravanam, 
So is it difficult to hear? Not if you have interest in the topic, right? Then you can sit and listen to anything. If you like a certain kind of music, you can listen to it. If you don't like that music, then you cannot sit and listen to it. So we need to hear. And part of that hearing is why we should hear about Krishna, telling us about wonderful things about Krishna. So if we hear those things, then we, then we get some aptitude. And we can sit and listen about Krishna. So hearing is not difficult. Chanting is not difficult. We're doing that all the time. The whole world is hearing and chanting. In the morning, we hear the birds chanting. What are they chanting? They're looking for a worm or an insect. They find some, they tweet, then other birds come. Insect is also chanting. Everyone is speaking, talking, listening. But what about? If we hear and chant about Krishna, the result will be very different. So hearing is not difficult. Chanting is not difficult. Remembering is not difficult. We remember things that are important to us. If they're not important to us, then we don't remember them. But if I convince you something is important, then you'll remember it. In other words, you think, oh, that's important. Write it down. It's not hard to remember. People think, oh, I don't have a good memory. But they remember what's important to them. Some people may have better memories than others, but if you understand the importance of Krishna consciousness, then you'll remember Krishna. So hearing is not difficult. Chanting is not difficult. Remembering is not difficult. Shravanam, Kirtanam, Samad. These are our main things that we do in bhakti. Other things, Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Smaranam, Padasevanam. Padasevanam means so many things. Literally, it means to serve the lotus feet. But it means also to walk to the temple, to do parikrama around Vrindavan. This is Padasevanam. To go to a holy place, to a tirtha. So people are walking, going to so many places. Let us go to the monument and see. In Washington, D.C., they have so many monuments. Millions of people coming every year. San Francisco, there are so many places to go. You go to the wharf. You go to this place, that place, and look for the view. And people are using their legs like this, traveling to go to important places. So in Bhakti, we do the same thing, but we go to Vrindavan. We do Govardhan Parikram. We take effort to come to Audarya. We walk up that hill in the morning, in the dark, for Mangalarti. This is Padasevanam. Not difficult. People are doing it anyway. Right? But Padasevanam means you do it for Krishna. So, Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Smaranam, Padasevanam, Archanam. Archanam means to worship the deity. Now, what does it mean to worship the deity? You have to get nice clothes. For the deity. You have to get nice ornaments for the deity. You have to comb the hair. You have to bathe the deity. You have to give some perfume to the deity. Are we doing these things? Yes. For ourselves. Right? I'm going shopping. Buy a new sari. Some nice new earrings. Change my hair. So many. We're doing all these things. <laughs> so it's not difficult to do. We like doing them because we think I'm this body and this body is important. But if we get knowledge, we understand what is the body, who is Krishna, then we start thinking, hmm, better to decorate Krishna. Because when I put the ornament on Krishna, my soul becomes decorated. My soul starts to come out. What I really am starts to come out. So Archanam is not difficult. Everybody's getting up in the morning, brushing the teeth, taking a bath, looking in a mirror, 
What clothes will I wear? Here, we're doing that for Krishna every morning. Here, we just put on something simple. That's all. This is our cosmetic. Vishnu Tilak. Udvapundra. We take a bath. Quick. Put on a robe. Simple. Now come. Well, what kind of bath will we give Krishna? Nice bath. Get flower petals. Put it in there. Put some perfume. Sing some song. Chanting his name. Chasramati Nandana. Prajabodha Nagara. Gokula Ranjana Khan. Like this. And bathing him. And so many outfits we go through. This one, pick this one, put it on. This jewelry. How long it takes you to take a bath? Five, ten minutes. Five, ten minutes. And to dress. Five, ten minutes. But yeah, it takes 45 minutes to bathe and dress Krishna. And just a little stone of Krishna from Govardhan. Decorating. Hmm? Maybe one hour. And so many mantra will be sung. And that is the difference. Still we are taking care of the body. Still we are dressing the body. But not so much emphasis on that. We know there is Krishna. What is Krishna? What is this body? So we have our priorities. So, Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Smaranam, Padasevanam, Archanam, Bandhanam. Bandhanam means to offer prayers. That's easy to do. Everybody's praying for something. Right? So, we pray to Krishna. Krishna, I offer the prayer to you. Make me a little intelligent so I don't chase after things that don't endure. I chase after you instead. Gopis are only praying for love of Krishna. Pray for that. You want to pray to get something. Pray to get Krishna. How will you get Krishna? By getting love of Krishna. So you pray to Krishna. Give me love for you. Then Sakyam means to think of the Lord as one's friend. So we all have friends. We know what it means to think of someone as a friend. We try to think of Krishna as your friend. And what is a friend? Friend helps you. And when you have some, when you are in time of need, a friend is there. Krishna is the real friend. And that Mani Vedanam is all bhakti, nine things. Navalakshan bhakti, given by Prahlad. You know who is Prahlad? Not this one. He's Prahlad Das. That Mani Vedanam means to surrender, like Bali did. Bali Maharaj, he told Vaman, put your foot on my head. You know? So this is called Surup Siddha Bhakti. These things, if they're done, even without much attention, they will bring fruit. This is uh, main items of bhakti. You can do one, or you can do all of them. These things are not difficult to do. Pradas, he said it's easy, but it also seems complicated. So I'm giving a very complicated explanation to inspire you to do things that are very simple. You understand? Things that you're already doing. But why we should do them for Krishna? It takes some complicated explanation because why? We've complicated our lives. I mean, it's complicated. I'm thinking, I'm this person. Uh, this is what I am. This is what I do. This is what is important. Whole life is going like a train fast in that direction. So now I have to say, stop a minute. Give a complicated explanation. Some will say, why is it so complicated? I have to learn so many things. So that your life can be simple. And just chant Hare Krishna. <laughs> it's like we are living here. It is very simple. Very simple what we do. Get up early in the morning, take bath, sing for Krishna. It's very simple. We grow food, offer to Krishna. Devotees come. Now for a festival, devotees have come. They've given us enough rice, enough ghee, enough dal to live for one or two years. You can look. So much food they're giving.
Because we are doing some service by living here, by preaching, living a good example, life of good example. And Krishna consciousness, devotees feel inspired. So they bring food. Our life is simple. I don't have to go and get a job. Now you have to get a job. And you think, what job will I get? And I have to get education. And I have to get good grades. And then I have to compete in the job market. And maybe somebody thinks, oh, maybe there's some discrimination sometimes. Because you're Indian people. Sometimes white people, they may discriminate. And white person get the job. And you don't get the job. And there are all these problems, problems. If I go to India, it'll be the same thing. Reverse. This is just nature. Nature of people. So many problems. Then relationship problem. Oh, big problem. <laughs> find the right boy. Find the right girl. Problem. Big problem. So all problems like this solved here for us. Really very simply. Food problem is solved. Relationship problem is solved. We have friends. And we all, have, we all love Krishna more than one another. Everybody agrees. Therefore everybody gets along. Because everybody wants to do the best thing for Krishna. That's how we get along. Why am I friends with these devotees? Because we all want to please Krishna. So we have no problem. Because we all have the same ideal. This is what is in everybody's heart. Yes, please Krishna. So no problem. Problem solved. If I have an idea how to please Krishna, and another one shows a better idea to please Krishna, then no problem. Problem solved. Not just, I don't want to just do my idea. I want to please Krishna. And where is Krishna? Krishna is there in the deed. But how do you know he'll be pleased? That's why we have a guru. So we please the guru. Yasya prasadat bhagavat prasado. Yasya prasadat agati kutopi. If the guru is pleased, then we know Krishna is pleased. So they're living here with their guru. One has one idea, another has another idea. What is the idea for? To please Krishna. How do they please Krishna? By pleasing the guru who represents Krishna. So if they, one doesn't know which idea is better, he asks the Guru, he says, I like this idea. Okay, no problem. Problem solved. So everybody has affection for one another. Your relationship problem is solved. Eating problem is solved. Where you will sleep? Nice yurt. Comfortable. Problem solved. Hmm? All problems solved. Simple life. Everyone is not perfect here, but this is a setting very conducive for attaining perfection. Now, not everyone can live in this situation, but Bhakti, Devi, is very generous. So even householder can practice. How how householder practices? They have a guru, and they have ashram that their life is orbiting around. Like householders come, they give the rice. They give the ghee. They give some donation. How we spend that money? Am I getting fat? You have seen me in so many years now. Am I getting fatter and fatter and fatter? No, that's not like that. I'm not taking the money just to get fat. I'm spending it for you. To write one book, to publish one book, to build a temple, to hold a festival like this where you can come. Do you give money to I spend it for you. You understand? This is the system. Just like if you give to Krishna, I said it goes back to you. This is practical. So where is Krishna? That is an idea. Hard to see him. See him in the deity, but... Most we see him in our Guru. He's represented there. Guru is not Krishna, but he's representing Krishna. So we think we can find Krishna there. In Guru, Krishna comes to us very close, locally. Krishna is busy with so many things. But he sends his representative to deal with me personally. That is a Guru. So my life is orbiting around that. 
I have things to do. And the Guru's blessings. If I want to be householder, yes, you can be householder. You can marry. You can have children. But some guidelines will be there to make the life, the household spiritualized. And so part of that is some relationship with the ashram and the Guru. You come regularly, spend time, hear from him, get some contribution. He spends that for you in a spiritual way, not a material way. He doesn't send you a new car or anything like that. And it provides facility for you to pursue your real interest. What is your central interest? Now we have peripheral. You understand peripheral interest? Central interest and circumference interest. You know circumference? Anyways, here's the center, and then this goes out and out and out. So we have other interests out here, but they should be tied to the center. Then as far out as they are, they'll have some meaning also. Guru can make those other interests that aren't so much in our real spiritual interest, desires that we have based on our thinking that we're this body and so forth, can make those desires, connect them to the center in such a way that even by doing those things, we will gradually come into the center of what our life is really about and find real happiness. That's pretty good. Pretty good trick. <laughs> That is the business of the guru. That's mystical, you see. <laughs> How the very same desire that would take you into another birth can be pursued in such a way that would end birth and death. It takes an expert guru. So, in this way, bhakti is easy. It's very practical. Compared to yoga, to do really yoga, I mean, and bhakti yoga is another thing. To call bhakti yoga is, is, to, is to give yoga credibility. There is some yoga in bhakti, but there's no bhakti in yoga. Just yoga, there's no bhakti. So, that's another thing. Yoga, if you don't want to do bhakti, but you want to do yoga, oh, that will be much more difficult. You have to give up all material desires to sit down to yoga. Very difficult. Yoga marg, karma marg, gyan marg, it's all very troublesome. Bhakti marg, very easy. Very natural. It's user-friendly like Macintosh compared to the PC. It's user-friendly. <laughs> so, in this way, bhakti is very easy. But some complicated explanation is there sometimes because we've complicated our life. If our life is not so complicated, then it's very easy. Karma is in the mode of passion. Jnana is in the mode of goodness. Bhakti is in the mode of ignorance. You understand? I don't mean material modes, but I mean that karma is about achieving something, accomplishing something. Jnana is not about doing anything, knowing. But bhakti is best performed in ignorance. Gopis are in ignorance that Krishna is God. They just love him. Love is best performed in ignorance. <laughs> so that means bhakti is simple. You don't have to be a big jnani to do bhakti. You don't have to be a big accomplisher, big achiever to do bhakti. You can do it in your sleep. That is ignorance. You can chant even in your sleep and it will have effect. So bhakti is very easy. It cannot be denied. But a little complicated explanation is there to help us understand that because we become complicated. That's all. It said, when at first you choose to deceive... Oh, what a web we weave when at first we choose to deceive. So...
identifying with the body, that is a deception. You're not the body. Once you've done that, it creates like a spider web of so many confusions, deceptions. The idea that I'm a body, this body, that is a lie. And to perpetuate that, so many other lies are created. So this is the complicated web that we live in. So to get out of that web, some complicated explanation of what's happened is necessary. And then do the simple thing. Serve Krishna. That's my answer to Prahlad's question. Especially for your benefit, I'm speaking. Do you know it? <laughs> so what else? Any other questions or thoughts? <laughs>